I have to say it, I get around to a lot of churches because we are itinerants and we do uh, uh, work with different churches here in this nation and I'll be preaching in uh, three different churches in two other countries in the next month and uh, don't worry, I'll be back. And uh, but <laughs> Some churches don't know the difference between a concert and a worship service and I say that with all respect and there is a difference and uh, we don't need the lights down and the smoke machine to get the presence of God. I don't mind that, but we don't have to have it. And uh, we need people like you with hearts prepared. The five or six that are downstairs for a half an hour before the service, just calling out to God. Prayer meetings during the week. This is what makes for a worship service, and people are hungry for the presence and the willingness of our Lord to be with us every time. Um, speaking of prayer, a couple of things here. Uh, we have a prayer request. Uh, dear church, uh, please, I'm asking for a special prayer, leaving for Jamaica Tuesday, the 6th, from Beverly. Well, Beverly, first, you pray for us, because you're going to Jamaica, and we here staying here. So if you just pray a prayer that we won't get into self-pity after hearing that. We're going to pray for you now, Father. Whatever family ties and business and agenda there is, whatever the reason is for Beverly to be going to Jamaica, we send you, Beverly, in the name of Jesus, with the blessing of God, with the favor of God, to surround you like a shield, to be with you. And we call in the grace of God every part of your trip in Jesus' name. You can say amen. I didn't even have to ask you. There you go. Uh, also, uh, again, speaking of prayer, we're in the middle on, of a prayer series on Wednesday nights. I will be here again this week. Uh, we were talking about strongholds and binding and loosing. Last Wednesday, Wednesday I left you all bound up, and we're going to loose you this Wednesday. <laughs> we're going to do the second part of the topic. You know, I, I got to say, you know, I'm tired of prayer list meetings. I don't like prayer list meetings. I like the presence of God where we don't just uh, pray the problem, we pray the word into the problem. And so there's nine kinds of prayer I've identified, maybe you have more or less, but we're going through this idea of the power of agreement and what we can bind and what we can loose. It's really, it's really the topic is the keys of the kingdom and what authority we have and how to use that. Imagine having a set of keys and thinking they're for your garage door and finding out that there's a brand new car in there that you could have uh, driven as well. And I think some of us are like that with prayer, carrying around the keys of the kingdom, using it for day-to-day -day prayers, not understanding. We have some keys to something very powerful. So I'd love to have you here. We keep the time very, very on time on Wednesdays, and uh, I believe there's programs for the whole family. I'm not as aware of all the details yet as the other staff members, so they're the best ones to ask about that. But here we are. Oh man, praise God. I'll be here next Sunday as well, and then after that I have a 15-day trip to Nepal and Bangladesh, and we are helping some people who are beginning to suffer some persecution, and we're getting in there while we still can and doing what we can. I'll be preaching at a church uh, in both countries because churches are still open for now. And uh, we have a lot of things on the go there that I can't say right here in camera in public. But um, next Sunday, we'll give you a little uh, information on, and how to pray for myself and the team that will be in those countries. And that was a trip that's part of our ministry. We have uh, our charity, my wife and I, Melissa, and Terry, we have a charity that focuses on the least reached and the most vulnerable in nations where the gospel is yet to be preached or in parts of those nations. And so every single month, we're having people from other religious backgrounds get baptized every single month. And we're seeing more things as well. And uh, we'll give a report sometime, but uh, we'll be heading over there, which is part of my twice a year that I go and see all the workers, some that I'm supporting myself and making sure that everybody's doing what they say and being encouraged. So um, our heart will be here, but I will be uh, over there. Amen. Okay, it's time for the word. So... Did you know that there's times 
um, that, uh, oh, before I get into that, one more thing. I'm going to be into John chapter 5. We're not going there just yet. But in John chapter 5, it's talking about a physical disability. And I want to say this off the top so that I'm very sensitive and not misunderstood. I'm going to use the story today as a metaphor for our emotional and mental state. So even though the person in the Bible has a physical disability, there is no judgment, there is no, there's nothing here about those with physical disabilities. Uh, it's clear in the Bible when, when the disciples said to Jesus, whose fault is it that this man was born blind? And Jesus is like, no way, you got the wrong thinking. We're actually going to uh, talk about that next week. But I just want you to know this week, we're just using the story as a metaphor uh, to help church people grow. Okay, you know, one word of truth can change your thinking about your world or even yourself. Did you know that? When truth meets untruth, it's like turning on the light, right? You turn on the light. When you turn on the light switch in your kitchen or wherever, is there a battle? Do you have the darkness and the light? Uh, do, you have a, do you have them battling each other? Well, if you do, you need an electrician to fix that circuit. <laughs> but when, when the light goes on, the darkness flees. And it's very important to understand, when we hear a word from the Lord, it will erase and replace the lies we've been believing. And sometimes it takes a lot to get there. Sometimes you need a counselor to figure out what you're even believing that's wrong. Um, some counselors are great, some aren't. Uh, just like lawyers and doctors and dentists, they're all different. But a counselor can, can diagnose you, but the Holy Spirit can heal you. The word of truth will bring the change. And I've been through that and I know that's true. But, but when the truth meets the darkness, sometimes there is an argument set up. Um, most of you in this room are not old enough to remember Copernicus. He was born in 1473. <laughs> I hope you weren't around for that birth. But uh, he had this idea. He was a, a polyglot and a polymath, which meant he was multidisciplined, could speak many languages, had, had, he was a science whiz. And he came up with this idea that the, the sun does not revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. And then Galileo picked that up later, and they both got in trouble for this idea, even though they were both strong churchmen and taught in church schools. When they came up with this idea that the sun is the center, not the earth, it just, I mean, all the way up to the Pope. He, they, had, they were in front of the Inquisition and all the rest. Galileo spent half of his life in house arrest for that idea, even though it was true. And so there are times when truth meets untruth, and the victory's not instant. And it's because of the arguments set up against the truth. And Paul makes it clear that we are able to tear down these arguments, these strongholds. And we're talking more about that on Wednesday. But today I want to talk about the times when the truth meets the untruth and the truth prevails. Go with me for an Old Testament example to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. During one of these times when Israel, the nation of Israel, was not obeying the Lord. And so the Lord allowed other nations to rule over them, which was part of their covenant. If you obey me, you'll be free. You'll be the head, not the tail. If you don't obey me, you're, you're going to be in a cage here. And that was the old covenant, uh, way oversimplified. And then it's time, and I love this. Who knows, who knows heaven's ledger book? But at some moment, God says, enough. I'm sending an angel, and I'm sending my power, and I'm going to give them more than they deserve. I'm going to be grace-filled, and I'm going to deliver these people. So he picks a guy, Gideon. And Gideon was of a no-name family, and he wasn't the firstborn, so he wasn't getting all the attention, because in those cultures, and even in many Asian cultures today, the firstborn is the special child. And I've seen that, and it's, it's hard to really uh, process that as a, 
as a, uh, a white Western guy that grew up with this whole democracy idea. But in the families, there's a real hierarchy over there. And uh, uh, Gideon knew his place, and his place was way down on the list. So the angel shows up and says the following in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. He says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, and he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That sounds sarcastic, doesn't it? Let's go back to that, please. Mighty warrior. Have you ever done that? Like... My wife, my wife likes to, oh, that's, I shouldn't even tell stories of my wife. She's not here today. In fact, apparently last Sunday, I said my current wife. <laughs> my wife got up and started making jokes about being, you know, the only wife. I thought, what's she doing? Afterwards, she said, Terry, why did you say? I said, I, I didn't say it. I had to go listen to the service and there it was. Caught guilty DNA on the screen, you know. My current wife? I mean, we're coming up to our 45th wedding anniversary. I got married at 22. I, 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 she is my current wife, but why I had to add that adjective, I'm not sure. I just don't have, I can't spin it. I don't have, I don't have anything to say about it. I'm just like, uh-oh, is it happening already? <laughs> All right. Starting to repeat myself. Other times I repeat myself. No. <laughs> uh, so, yes, my current wife, <laughs> for me, my only wife, um, you know, uh, sometimes we joke around with each other or, you know, you do something, drop something you're trying to carry or, you know, and oh, you know, strong guy, you know, whatever. So it's, it's, it's almost like it was sarcasm, but it wasn't sarcasm when the angel spoke to Gideon. And, and, and I, want, I want to lay down something here. And if this is all you got, you could go have fellowship and have your lunch and go home and you'd be better for it. It's just, just this point, really simple with me. Heaven has a different view of who you are and what you're capable of than you do. And it's better. And he never gives up, the Lord never gives up on bringing that reality to you until your last breath. He never gives up working in your life to download heaven's truth. Just like software, when things aren't working and there's little glitches, it's a good program, but it has these glitches. If you hit that key, it does this and doesn't do that. That's the same way as our belief systems. We're basically intact, but there's things we believe. Or if you say this to me, man, you know, you just triggered me. It's a glitch in my belief system. And I need a fresh download from heaven. I need to see who I am in heaven's eyes. Not the people that knew me 20 years ago and keep reminding me of the time I did this and that. I had a girl that I dated try to find me on Facebook. And we're talking like 50 years ago, you know, almost. And this thing came up, blah, blah, blah. I, like, I go on Facebook once a year just to say, sorry, I don't go on Facebook. <laughs> and I have to do that because of some of the work I do in restricted access nations because I had people trying to get me in public and saying, gee, I'm converting Muslims. Can you help me? And I'm like, okay, next. Um, but this person started saying stuff, not bad stuff, just stuff that happened 50 years ago and all of a sudden like I don't remember that but that's in that person's mind you know remember when the group of us did this and that and the other and again I'm not talking about anything anything bad or illegal it was just like that just wasn't part of my life yet somebody's walking around in this world and it's still real to them and you know until the truth meets that we can live with the untruth and, and here is out of sequence, but I'm feeling right, the right time to say it, is a lie that you believe has as much power in your life as the truth. It's not enough that God loves you the way you are. You need to experience being loved the way you are. I'll be free and healed to the extent that I know and experience that unconditional love. 
And so we want to turn the Logos into a Rhema. We'll unpack that another day. Most of us know that. We want the idea, the concept, to become a spoken word to our soul. And so the power of a word that God speaks to you can override a lifetime of lies. Because when the light goes on, it doesn't matter how dark the dark is, it's gone. I got this little Garmin watch my kids gave me for a birthday. It does everything for me. It tells me what to think, where to go, how to step. It tells me how many breaths a minute I've taken and everything. It's really kind of, and I have to power it up. But when I get up at night and there's no lights on, I hit this, and this watch is enough to light my way around the house. But right now, forget it. But the tiniest light in the midst of real darkness shines. And can I say that to you? It's pretty dark out in the world right now. And just the fact that you believe in a God who loves, period, that's enough light to make a difference in people's lives. So don't underestimate what you already got in you and how it can impact people's life for good. Hey, I'm not even in the message yet. we got to get moving. So he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And then out comes his excuses. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are his wonders? So let's just stop there. See that? An angel just showed up, called him mighty warrior. He knows this is a message from heaven. And instead of going, God has come into my life. I'm favored. Okay, but why and where? And we're abandoned. Look at this word here. The Lord has abandoned us. The truth he was living in, and this is a big thing today. This is your truth and this is my truth. But I, I understand we experience things differently, but what really bothers me about that is we're using the word truth. What you're really saying, this is what I believe from my experience. This is what you believe. I respect that, but don't call it truth. So the truth is who you are in God's eyes. You haven't met the truth yet. You have a belief. I respect that. Whatever that is, I'm not going to take you on. I'm going to love you first. I'm always going to lead with love. But please don't call it truth because I know the truth and his name is Jesus. And you need to know him too. So today we would say Gideon's truth was he was not very powerful he was abandoned. God was not faithful. The promises didn't count. That was the quotations, truth he was living in until he met an angel. And sometimes, some scholars believe it was Jesus himself that showed up when it says the angel of the Lord. Because back then they didn't have his name. So whether it was Jesus himself or a mighty angel or Michael or Gabriel, or whoever was on shift that day, Whoever it was, they had all of heaven's authority with them. And he shows up and he says, no, uh-uh. I'm going to replace that. And then he makes the battle, if you know the story, so ridiculously in favor of the other side. No, you can't take that many. You can't take that many. You're going to go with a few dozen people and you're going to uh, beat a whole army. So when God shows up, he answers all our excuses. Verse 16, the, the answer that answers everything, I will be with you. That was the last thing Jesus said to everybody as he was, he was starting to levitate and head up. And he's going up, I'll be with you. <laughs> I'm leaving you. I'll be with you. <laughs> By the Holy Spirit, of course. Now, in a New Testament example, we have Mary. And... Uh, uh, Christmas, I, I, I often preach this as Christmas. You know, Gabriel shows up to Zechariah to say this. His prayer is answered after years and years and years. Your wife's going to have a, have a child. And he goes, how can I be sure? <laughs> He's like, hey, you're in the temple. An angel showed up, knew what you were praying, and says it's going to be answered. I just want to let you know, if an angel shows up to you in prayer this week, don't do what Zechariah did. Because he was struck dumb for nine months. You know why? Until he agreed with what God said about him, he was better off saying nothing. It wasn't judgment, it was protection. So he wouldn't curse his own destiny. 
so he wouldn't rob his wife of faith. I know some dads would be better off saying nothing. Uh oh, quiet. We need to agree with what God says about us. So then he comes to this little, probably 16 year old girl named Mary. And in verse 28, chapter 1 of Luke, he says, Greetings, you are highly favored. Again, this is, this is not right. Women are not as important as men in that culture. Okay? Wrong, but the way it was. She was young. She hadn't done anything yet that would, that would merit favor. She probably wasn't even allowed to read the Torah in the synagogue. But she's highly favored. And, and women in this room know that. Heaven has a different opinion of you than the culture does. I'm sure she said her prayers. I'm sure her prayers were filled with faith and heaven heard. Heaven hears you. He's listening to your prayers. Tell somebody that. Okay, heaven's listening to your prayers. Heaven knows. And he says, I'll be with you. Now, Mary, of all the people whom an angel met with in the Bible, Mary probably got it right quicker. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to throw this in because I'll forget to say it another time. When I preach on those two... I can just see Gabriel comes to Zechariah and he goes, how can I be sure? And he's like, Lord, do I have permission to zap this guy or what? <laughs> nope. I need him. Then he tells him. Then a few weeks later, a few months later, the Lord says, Gabriel, I want you to go announce another miraculous pregnancy. And he's like, Lord, did you see what happened last time? And the Lord says, don't worry. It'll go well this time. It's a woman. She's too young to be cynical. She'll believe me. Anyways, it's not in the Bible. Might have happened. <laughs> John chapter 5. Let's go there. I'm going to read the first 15 verses. Then we're going to power through it. Then we're going to go into communion. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast. And uh, for a feast of the Jews. Now there's a, in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And there, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been in, in an invalid for 38 years. Say 38 years. 38 years. When Jesus learned he had been in this, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred, and while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who'd been healed, is it, Sab it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Isn't it amazing what some religious people take away from a situation like that? Oh yeah, he's healed at the altar, but you didn't lay his hands, you didn't lay your hands on him. We always lay hands on when we pray for the sick. Why didn't you lay your hands on him? By the way, his cancer's healed. Yeah, but you didn't lay his hand, your hands on him. That's what it would be like. It's insanely religious and unable to see God. Wow. So, uh, yeah, they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? I know I missed a verse. Keep going. So, uh, keep going. The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. Fantastic story, but there's some stuff there that really surprises me. And uh, I originally preached this in a series of, um, you know, strange sayings of Jesus. So let's get the setting 
There was a superstition that when the water stirred, so it was probably some sort of, uh, you know, a spring. Today, you'd, you'd ha they'd have a hotel, and you'd have to pay 500 bucks a night to be there. And you'd go in the pool, and they'd serve you a drink. But back then, the blind and the lame lay beside it, beside this, you know, underground spring, this hot spring or whatever it was. And whenever it would uh, bubble up, the tradition or superstition said, you know, there was healing because they figured an angel was doing it. And uh, so they'd try to clamor in, but this man couldn't move. So Jesus comes along, and it says, when he saw that he was lying there for 38 years, he said, do you want to get well? It's like, this is like, deserves a sarcastic answer. You know, there was somebody that was interviewed, that was over 100 years old, and the reporter said, to what do you attribute your long life? And the person still had their mind said, to the fact I haven't died yet. <laughs> you know, I think of that when I see this, because, you know, that's the kind of answer I'd like to give. Do you want to be way well? No, I love laying here, baking in the sun, starving. Who wants to walk? It's overrated. <laughs> Sorry, that's the way my mind works. But, but it's Jesus, so we can't say that. Do you want to get well? Well, there's actually a genius psychology here. How many knows that Jesus is probably the best psychologist in the world? Right? Meaning he understands how we think. That's all I mean by that. So <laughs> he says, do you want to get well? Because what had happened was this man had normalized his abnormality. He had normalized his disability. And I want to use this as a metaphor for what we do as church people. So if I can be, if I can do this today, I'm going to call you and me the lame man. The church guy. He's been coming to the same church for 38 years. Now I won't do hands up if you've been coming to the same church 38 years. But some of us have. Coming to the same place for 38 years because I really do believe this is the place that's going to make me better. I need to be by this place. I need to come. I know this is the right thing and the right place. And people say, oh, I can worship anywhere, anytime. It's true. But those people usually don't. It's just an excuse to not worship. People worship anywhere, anytime are usually people that are, that are attending a church. <laughs> Because they're getting what they need and they're taking that worship with them. Anyway, it's just my opinion on that. But the reason was we can normalize any abnormality. And my mother used to say, the devil you know, you know, how did that go? The devil you know is better than one you don't or whatever. And it, you, just, you just know what to expect. Afraid to change because at least I know what I'm dealing with. I can cope. And, and, and the, the word cope is a pseudonym for managing a stronghold. I can cope. I, I, I've learned how to handle this. I've learned how to get by. This man would have had people who came and fed him. He would have had his patrons. He would have had the people who came and gave him sympathy, which would have helped him. He had learned somehow to get by with his daily needs. 38 years without walking on a mat. Some days, blistering heat. Other days, too cold. I don't know, maybe he was lifted up every day and taken to a place to sleep. Somehow, he had enough of a support system that he could get by in that abnormality. So Jesus, always bypassing people's questions and comments and criticisms and going like a laser beam to the heart, says, I need to know if you really want to change. Do you want relief or do you want change? And that's the word of the Lord to everyone here in this room. Some of us pray hard like Hezekiah when we're trapped. And then when we're doing well, we kind of let go of our prayer life. Some of us just push hard uh, like the guy I had when I was a pastor in another church in Mississauga. Showed up, was doing everything in the church. He was a newbie, came to the altar, wanted to get saved. And he was there helping, you know, clean up the garbage and any, anything we could do at church for four months. And then I found out he had his court case. 
and asked for a letter of reference. And once I gave him a letter of reference about what a nice guy he was, never saw him again. So some of us are really good at pressing into God when we're in trouble. And we all know the stories in the Old Testament of what happened to the people of God. But this, this time, Jesus was like, I'm willing to change you for good. But I need to know, do you have, do you have the desire? If you unpack the words, the Greek words here, they're, they're, the word want has to do with your will and your desire. So he was really saying, how much desire and resolve do you have to allow the process of becoming, of being made whole to begin. How much, how much do you want this and are you willing to pay a price to be different? And what this tells me too, this man of course, he was aware of his emotions but not in touch with his desires. Emotions are above the surface, we can see them. Desires are below, they're the things that drive our emotions. I'm just so happy you gave me that compliment because underneath I have such a desire to feel good about myself because all my life I've been criticized. So when you compliment me, I'm all giddy. But underneath, there's something driving that. It's a desire that's come from a belief and an experience. And so Jesus wants to go right down in and say, do you have that desire? Do you desire to be well? Because you're going to pay a price. He knew he'd pay a price right away. Pharisees would, would attack him. And uh, there'd be other things as well that we're going to read about. And so that's a question I want to ask you and me today. How ready are we to be different? And if we are, we can get a direct word from God that's going to make us different. And when God speaks a word, the power to change is in that word. Do you know how I know that? Because Genesis 1 tells us somewhere between 15 and 21 times in the first, well, two chapters of the Bible, God spoke and things changed. God spoke and nothing became something. God spoke and a, and a formless void of mud and, and substance became seas and continents. God spoke. God spoke and a bag of dirt became a, a, a man in his image and a woman in his image. God spoke. And then the first thing he did was he blessed Adam and Eve. He downloaded a blessing and then said, go rule the earth. You're general managers of my creation. Go do a good job. But in his word was the very power to accomplish what he asked them to do. Never think that God's, what God says is too hard. It's like the Old Testament when, when uh, Moses is having his farewell speech in Deuteronomy. And he says, look, the word of faith is near you even in your mouth. He says, it's not up there that it's too hard or too low. It's there. It's not too hard for you to do what I'm saying. There's a word of faith in your mouth. It's there. Speak it. Agree with what God says about you. And the power to do it just suddenly materializes because his word has creative power and eternal nature. I want his word. I'm hungry for this. And I've seen his word change. So what is the man's response? So when he, when he asked, do you want to get well? He didn't give him a yes, no. Verse 7, Sir, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water's stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Uh-oh. Pardon the pun. He was full of lame excuses. And in church, we're full of lame excuses sometimes. We prayed for healing. It didn't happen. So now out comes the excuse list or the bitterness against God. Lame excuses. He blamed others. And he blamed circumstance, and he focused on his weakness. The three things he did wrong that you and I do too. He blamed others for his condition. He blamed circumstances, and he focused on his inability. Them and me. Me, them, me, then. Oh, yeah, you happen to be the son of God that's here and asking me if I want to change. But, by the way, them and them and them and me, 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 me. Man, we can get locked in, eh? 38 years can really lock us into a, a narrative that excludes the power of God. We need the word of the Lord to break into the narrative that we've been hanging on to. Even if we've been coming to church. Thank you, Karen, for the amen. <laughs> Love it. And by the way, I told you the first time I was here, uh, I am used to speaking in other cultures and 
a lot of them look like the faces I'm looking at here. So I just want you to know, though I was born in Canada and raised in Canada in church where you had to be quiet, I love hearing amens or preach it, brother. And then I know you've heard me, and then I move on to the next point. But if you don't say anything, I just think you didn't hear me. And I can repeat myself from here till the Super Bowl, you know. Okay, let's go on. But the layman's healing began when he heard a direct word from Jesus. So here, uh, as Pastor Dino would say, life, life lesson. Emotional transformation begins when the truth about God meets the truth about me. Amen. Thank you. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> when the truth about God meets the truth about me, that's when the true change begins. And so, he gets up. He picks up his mat and does something he hadn't done in four decades. <coughs> in fact, maybe he never did it. Probably when he could walk, he didn't carry a mat. He did something he never did before. And when the word of the Lord comes to you and says, this is who you are, my eyes. This is what you could do. You could do something you never did before. Don't give me any lame excuses. Can't share your faith. Can't pray, whatever. When the word of the Lord comes to you, you can do that. You can do something you've never done before. And it's going to be good, and it's going to bring glory to God. And I'm just going to see it. And, go, and, and they're going to start to say, me too. But not everybody liked it. And we're not going to talk about the Pharisees today. Um, you know, those guys, I don't really care about them. And uh, today, anyways, I want to talk about the people who heard the word of the Lord and responded. But then we go down to verses 13 and 14. And uh, let's go to verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple. Now, we're talking hours or days, not months. Might have been the same day. I, I'm not sure. I, I haven't really parsed that all out. But it was shortly after. And what would you say to a guy that hasn't walked in 38 years? And he's walking around and he's just, this is great, man. I'm just fantastic. Jesus sees him. I know what I would do. I go, way to go. Look at you. You're, you've got the step there. Have you tried running? Like, I'd be encouraging, you know, like your toddler's walking, you're encouraged. Jesus sees him and goes, hey, stop sinning. <laughs> what, a way to, what a way to spoil the party. Like, what was Jesus thinking? And I mean, let's get real here. This guy probably hadn't committed adultery in the meantime. He probably hadn't learned how to pickpocket. Like, what, what had he been, how could he have been sinning in those few hours? And stop sinning is, is the tense meaning something you've been in the habit of doing. Stop this habit and create a new habit. Well, what? When he was laying there, what could he have been doing? What are the commandments he could have been breaking? I'll tell you what it was. Jesus was going back to his lame excuses. And he was saying, hey, maybe he heard him saying as he's walking along, if those people had done this sooner, I, this would have happened 10 years ago. I don't know. Maybe he was still locked in that old narrative in his mind. But Jesus looked at him and said, you need to change the way you're talking and the way you're believing or else something even worse than being lame will come upon you. Wow. In other words, it's more important what Holy Spirit's going to do inside you than what he's done in your body. I want to do something inside you that's going to last longer, be more important than, than any uh, you know, personal trainer can do in your life. People spend a lot of time in the gym now. I try to. I'm... And the time I pick at our gym, it's always teenage guys in there. You know, and they're ripping it, right? And I come over and change the weight level on the machine when they're not looking, do my reps, and invariably come by, hey, gramps or whatever, hey, how's your workout? But I have a line. I say, at my age, being here 
is the best workout. <laughs> I'm here. That's victory. <laughs> you know? And uh, where was I going with that? I had a point. <laughs> there was a point. And if I forget it, my sermon's pointless, and that's terrible. But we spend a lot of time trying to make our bodies function better and what we eat and don't eat. Oh, man, even pet owners. Okay, I'll go back on a rant for a moment here. Pet owners. Like, we got this little dog now. And the last time we had a dog, you went into a store and bought a can of dog food. Oh, my goodness. You can't do that. It's not organic. It has to be grown. It has to be grown in the, the white fields of Saskatchewan and... Uh, we need to know the name of the farmer and uh, for your dog. I got news for you. Once you do that and you fluff out that thing and take him to his $100 haircut, he's going to go outside and roll in the crap and eat grass. He's a dog. The only reason he doesn't is not because he thinks like you. It's because you got him on a short leash or in your purse. <laughs> okay. In Florida, there's a shop that makes wigs for dogs. I'm sure the dogs are happy. Our priorities to, to look after the outside, right? Jesus talked about you look after the outside of the cup, it's clean, but what's on the inside? This is where Jesus was going. Even when there's a miraculous healing, he wants us to know what's happening in your mind and the way you talk has eternal consequences. And my healing is going to be of little value. In fact, you might not even get into heaven if you don't look after the rest. I'm not talking to Christians now. We'll get there. We've confessed. But we need to stop sinning. The truth will set you free. But only if you get rid of your lame excuses, start receiving his love in your life. Uh, worship team, come on forward, please. And we're going to set up for communion as I'm talking. We're going to have a testimony now about the power of God in people's lives. Um, I'm not very good at, like, if I was a card player and I, I'm not, everybody would know what's in my hand. Ooh, am I supposed to have three aces? Is that good? So I... I kind of share what's in my heart. And I have to tell you that the moment I came in here and in these last three weeks that I've been meeting with staff and with you in prayer nights and second Sunday, I just can't let go of the thought that God's up to something big. We honor the pastors who were here, Pastor Dino and Nadia, and what they set up and how the church went from what it was when they came to this reasonably healthy place it's in now. I know COVID's, you know, kind of taking a bite out of everything, but we're getting back in, in place now. And it, it's time to, it's time for a fresh start. It's time for a word from God. It's time to let go of, well, they should have done that. And why didn't they stay open during COVID? Oh, the fighting during COVID. Oh my goodness. Conspiracy theories versus this and that. It got to the point where I didn't care what side you were on, but we were tearing ourselves apart as the church. I finally preached a message one day, and I said to a church I was in that was fighting, I said, can we please have as much emotion for the Great Commission as we do for our own pet theory? Can we please save some of that passion for reaching the lost? And some of us have some repenting to do because we're still, you know... <laughs> Still can't meet with, with Uncle, uh, you know, Uncle Larry because dinners don't go too well when he comes in and starts talking about this and that. And some families have been wedged apart. Other times it's just we're bringing our traditions with us. And tradition's good sometimes. It, it gives us those goads, those, those tent pegs, those reference points. It's amazing to go into a church in, in Bangladesh and hear him sing some of the same worship songs we do. Do that. I, I like the fact that they do church in some of those places like we do. That's good. 
But then there's sometimes it looks totally different some places. And so whatever we prefer, what I'm trying to say, can we just, can we just let that be second or third or fourth place right now? We need to hear Jesus. And I don't want to be like that man where Jesus comes and gives me a word that's going to change my life. And I'm going, but sir, do you really know what's happened? Do you know what they said to me? Do you know how I've been treated and how hard I've worked? It's time to let that go. It's time to let go of the fact that your parents didn't love you the way they should. Because we've all got the father we've never had. And he sent his son. We're going to celebrate that. And he's called the word of God. And he said his word is his flesh. We have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. He lost a lot of followers that day in John chapter 6. Because he decided to go full spiritual on them. And just turn it around, talk heaven. And say, and how do we eat his flesh? Oh my goodness, I don't even like saying it. But how do we internalize Jesus? By the word he speaks, letting it come in and replace and erase the lies. Then, then he's on the inside. So the bold prayer is just search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any. It actually says way of pain in the original Hebrew. Wicked way, just repent of your sin. Actually says, what is the way I'm believing or behaving that's still animated by the pain of my past? Where is the pain of my past still predicting my behavior and motivating my responses and dictating what I, what I say and how I talk? Where is my past still got a hold on me? like the lame man I want a word from God and you know when when you and I do that you know what's going to be next you're going to be praying with someone that you invited over to your house and God's going to give you another word you're going to say pray for that their operation and you are going to bring the word to them because you're going to be hearing clearly now and you're not going to have all that that noise in your mind of the lies and what well, you can't do that because you you're not good enough and you're not a pastor and you're not this we want to clear the clutter of the noise of our own voice of people who didn't have faith and of the devil's demons themselves and we want to hear the word of the lord amen i believe you're with me today i believe this is a holy moment Pastor Josh is going to come and tell you what happened recently to a family member. Go ahead there. As uh, many of you know, uh, we were praying a couple years ago for my cousin who um, was, uh, it's a long story, but to make it short, he was in a coma and he was in a coma for about nine months, completely unresponsive. And uh, as you know, I gave the testimony a while ago that he started coming out and um, slowly been regaining everything, but as it stands now, he is almost 100% back to normal. So, praise the Lord. Yeah, I mean, this is, some of you guys know this already, but, um, like, I mean, he, it started by him moving his finger, and they realized, oh, wait a minute, and they would ask him a question, Peter, did you hear us, and he would tap, or, and, like, this is how serious it was, like, the doctors were basically saying, don't, don't, keep, don't continue giving him treatment, just... You know, and here he is, uh, and it's almost a couple years later, and he's almost 100% Hallelujah. back to normal. Amen. Woo. What's his name? Peter. Father, we all pray for Peter now, that like the lame man, he would leap and walk and praise God, and that you would redo his mind and his beliefs to line up with everything you want him to do. May a great healing revival come from this testimony yes. in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you know there's something called MAID, medical assisted death? My wife uh, works and volunteers in the medical community and they're uh, in a crisis pregnancy clinic. And so they really come up against this whole idea of taking lives either because they haven't taken their first breath yet or because they're too much trouble. And I think the enemy is going full on because he sees the healing revival coming before we do. And I believe we're gonna be seeing things like this that absolutely put the lie to this policy. 
I would rather see that than carry a sign up and down the street against something that the enemy's doing. Let's bring the kingdom into it. Then they have to figure it out. Let's not get fighting. Let's get faith into this. So here's the deal. Isaiah 53, where it says that Jesus, the suffering servant, when he shed his blood and his body was beaten, that it, he took our sins and our sufferings, our infirmities. It's quoted in Matthew, I think, 8, when Jesus is healing. So Matthew was really big on connecting Old Testament scriptures to Jesus' life. And at one point, when he saw him heal, he goes, oh, this is the fulfillment of that, of that chapter. The Jews today that don't know Jesus are still debating what Isaiah 53 means. We, of course, know. My point is this. The Bible interprets this for us. That Jesus' ministry and his death and resurrection includes healing. Now we're living... Amen. I know you believe it. We are living in, in between two times. We talked about this on Wednesday too. In heaven, it's already accomplished. On earth, we're still step by step bringing the kingdom. And so we have to put up with percentages. We have to pray when we don't see things. Think of this. How long was the coma, bro? How long was it? Nine months. So what was it like two months in? What's it like the day before the answer comes? What was it like for Gideon the day before the angel showed up? So God's going to show up and he's going to start showing up more frequently. And one of the times he just might do it is today. So when you partake of the, the bread and the juice that represent his body and his blood, two things. First of all, make sure you, you've, you've confessed the sins that you're aware of. Be quiet and confess them to the Lord, not, not to others here in this room. We used to, when I was first a Christian, the, the guy would always say, if you've got anything against anybody, go get it right, right now before communion. And I always had a line up in front of me. <laughs> communion I was afraid of. Who's going to talk, you know, who's going to confess their, they had something against me today. So we're not going to do that. This between you and Jesus. But please do that or else you are dishonoring the incredible price he paid. And if you've never done it before, this is your moment to say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord and Savior. And uh, I, I want you to do that. I've had two people last fall in places I was preaching who were in church for the first time in their life get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit right there before they left. God can do something he's never done before in your life. So, Father, we take a moment now and we bow our heads and we ask, Holy Spirit, come. Come and speak to us. Speak to us. I'm going to have Pastor Julio lead the rest of the communion process. And you can add to anything I've said there, brother, as the Holy Spirit leads you.